The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Amen. Hey, how are you? You doing good? Look at this. Look around, man. Isn't it so cool? 100% Sunday. We are honored that you are here. My name is Matt, and I am one of the pastors here at Story City. You know what I love about the Colony Theater is that when you come in on Sunday mornings, you never know what to expect. Like, we put the red curtain on. That wasn't us, actually. They've got a comedy show. I'm sorry, a magic show going on. And so some days you got the back screen, the side screens, no screens. But that's uh, part of being a church in the city that does not yet have a home. And so... So we're glad you're here, and we are in the middle of a series called The Things We Love, and uh, we've defined this series as sort of a, a moment in our church where we're saying, this is a DTR. Like, if you've been investigating Story City Church, you're checking it out, you're trying to figure out if this is a place where you want to belong, then we want to define the relationship. We want to tell you who we are, what we love, and then you figure out if this is a place where you want to fit in. But really, the, the, the real truth about the Things We Love series is that it's, it's way more than just a DTR. Um, this is a series where we're casting vision about, um, about our heart. Like if you could open up our heart and our heart could speak, this is who we are. And it's not just content. It's not just knowledge. It's not just that we love God and here's a few facts about God. We love the scriptures and here's why we love the scriptures. Or we love the city and here's seven reasons why. It's more than knowledge. It's more than content. It's a movement. It's a vision to push us forward in the direction that we believe God has for our church. A sermon series, in my opinion, is worthless without action behind it, an application behind it. And so this morning, we want to make it very applicable to you as we talk about why we love the city. So if you could do this with me, just bow your heads. I want to pray for us just for a moment as we open up the scriptures together. And uh, I have 25 minutes today. They limited my time because I've got 10 minutes after the sermon and I want to share a few things with you guys. And then we will eat ice cream, all right? Don't let me forget, we're going to eat ice cream, all right? If I forget to say it, we're eating ice cream, all right? So it's going to be awesome, all right? Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. God, This is the day that you've created. It's never happened before. It will never happen again. So God, let us not take this day for granted. God, this is your word. These are your people. This is your church. And God, we acknowledge this morning that as much as we care for our own selves, Lord, as much as we um, have affections towards our own needs and our own desires, our affections toward ourselves don't rival the affections that you have towards us and towards our city. And so, God, would you speak this morning as we examine why it is that you call a church to be in a city. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the Colony Theater said, amen. Amen. Hey, it's 100% Sunday, and sort of we, made, we kind of made this pitch that if you call Story City Church home, this is a day for you. And so for some of you guys, you're here every week. Some of you guys, because of your jobs, you're in and out. And for whatever reason, if you're here this morning, I want to say to you, welcome. We are so honored you're here. By the way, if it's your first time, um, you stepped into sort of a strange Sunday, but we're glad you're here too. And we want to high five you after the service at the First Steps table, give you a free gift and say hello. But if you're here this morning and you're raising your hand and you're saying, Story City is my home, I want to challenge us just for a moment. I want, to, I want us to open up the scriptures together and examine why it is that God brought us up to this place at this time in this city for this reason. And so I want to start off by asking you a question this morning. 
And the question is very simple. I want to ask you a personal question, then I want to ask a question of our church broadly. And the question that I want to ask you this morning is, what did you come here looking for? Like, I don't know how you came or why you came. You engaged with us in the city in some way. Um, You heard about it from a friend. You checked us out online. You checked us out on social media. You heard about Story City in some way. That's the first question we train all of our hospitality volunteers to ask anytime somebody comes in for the first time. How did you hear about Story City Church? I don't know what your answer is to that this morning, but I want to ask you rhetorically, what, what did you come here looking for? And it's a rhetorical question, but if you had to answer it loud, draw it on a sheet of paper, you'd probably respond with something like this. I came looking for friends. I came looking for a religious experience. I came wanting to know God. I came wanting to be more like Jesus. I came wanting to study the scriptures. Your answers may be all over the map. And I'm not trying to answer that for you this morning. I just want to ask you, what did you come here looking for? Why did you originally come? And then I want to overlay that question with another question. And I want to ask the question about us corporately. And that question about us corporately is this. What is our calling as a church in the city of Los Angeles? What's our calling as a church in the city of Los Angeles? You have your reasons for why you're here. Those of us who began this process not too long ago have our reasons for why we came here and why we started a church. And now here's the thing. Sometimes the answer to your question, why you are here, and the answer to what is our calling as a church in the city, sometimes those answers don't align. There's misalignment. There's confusion. You have your reason. The church has its reason. And sometimes when there's misalignment and there's confusion over why you're here and why the church is here, people walk away confused and frustrated. And ultimately, the church is ineffective in the city that God has called them to. But here's the thing, when the answers to those questions align, when the answer to why you're here and why a church is here, when those are congruent, then what happens is your heart aligns with the heart of God. And I believe with all of my heart that a church is uniquely positioned to move forward with extraordinary gospel change in a city. So the question I want to pose to us this morning is from the perspective of the church. You have your answers, but I want you to hear why we're here. Why a church in the city of Los Angeles? And I hope this morning that we will find some alignment and some congruence as to why you're here and why the church is here. I believe um, when we open up scripture, uh, the answer is obvious to us. I believe there is a clarion call for a church to be in a city. I don't believe God hides that from us. I believe it's very distinct, and I believe Scripture is very clear. And I want to tell you what I believe that is in just a moment. But let me tell you first what I believe that is not. We are not a church in this city. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, I, I'm speaking sort of uh, in terms of like, like church understanding and philosophy. We are not a church in Los Angeles. What I mean by that is that the philosophy of ministry that says we exist for our church to gather as many people as we possibly can for a Sunday morning experience and rarely anything else outside of our walls is not the model of ministry we have assumed. And just personally, we don't believe that's the model that scripture assumes. That model of church basically says we create a bunch of programs, we care for ourselves, but we neglect the outside world. I want to say to you this morning, we are not a church in this city because I believe that model of church, and by the way, 
we are the last people in this city. And some of you know this because you've had conversations with us. We are the last people in this city that will ever throw stones across the river at other churches in this town. We will not do that. We will never engage in that. There are churches here that think differently than us, that model differently than us, and we are champions for those churches. So hear me this morning. I'm not saying our church is good, another church is bad. I'm just telling you who we are. We are not a church in the city that solely cares about ourselves because we believe that model does not effectively engage the culture. Let me tell you what we are also not. We are not a church of the city. A church of the city essentially enculturates to the degree that we lose our biblical distinctiveness. We lose our godly distinctiveness to the point where we've lost the saltiness that Jesus talked about. We lost the light and the ability for a church to shine bright. And we have enculturated to the point where the lines are blurry between a life that is changed by Jesus and a life that is not. We are not a church of the city. We see it in the Old Testament quite often. When the people of God are making their journey in the wilderness towards the promised land, we see often that they have enculturated such that they accept the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, and David. And then they're also uh, accepting gods of their own creation, their own tradition. In fact, in Amos chapter 5, God accuses them of enculturating to the point where they've created their own images of their own gods. Amos chapter 5, verse 26. That's a church of the city. That's not who we aim to be. We're not a church in the city. We're not a church of the city. We're also not a church, listen to me, against the city. We're not a church that has this defensive posture. If a church of the city says, I'm going to be as much, in, I'm going to be as, as integrated as I possibly can, where my biblical distinctiveness is blurry, the opposite of that is the church against the city that says, I'm going to take a defensive posture. It's an us versus them mentality. And so we make statements like, I'm just making a stand for Jesus and I'm opposing the world. I want to tell you this morning, we are not that church either. Yes, there there are things that we oppose. There are things that we oppose this week in the life of our country that we stand adamantly against. But I want to tell you this this morning. We are not a church that's going to be boycotting town hall because they created a bar down the road or whatever else may be. We are not a church against the city of the city or in the city. And if we're none of those, then what do we hope to be? Well, we hope to be a church that is for the city. I believe that's the clear call of God in Scripture. And I want to try to unpack this. And I want to try to make this as simple as I possibly can this morning. And then I'm going to pray for us at the end of the message. And then I'm going to step down. And I want to talk to us as a family for a moment. Um, and so, so I want to make this clear. What does it mean to be a church for the city? A church that doesn't acquiesce to the culture. A church that doesn't oppose the culture. But a church that speaks the truth of the gospel. A church that's not afraid to uphold a biblical worldview at the same time. At the same time, a church that stands solidly committed to the gospel and to the Jesus in the gospel is also a church, according to Jeremiah chapter 29, Ezekiel chapter 36, Isaiah chapter 58, is a church that commits to, um, that seeks to commit itself to what Jeremiah 29 says, the shalom of the city. Jeremiah 29 says, um, Jesus, I mean, God commands the people to seek the peace and the prosperity among the people they are living with. A church that's for the city upholds a gospel 
It's distinctive, but it's also a church that looks around to everything um, in our community. And we say we're going to use our time, our talents, our treasures sacrificially in order to seek the peace and prosperity of our neighbors. Now, let me tell you where I find this, okay? Um, what is it, how does a church like that become a reality? How does a church like that just go from a dream and a vision to be a church for the city and actually being a church for the city? Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 12, the scripture says, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will raise up the age old foundations. Let me tell you what's happening here. Um, I wish I had time to unpack the entire passage, but I don't. But essentially what's happening is the people of God have been in captivity. And when they were taken in captivity, their towns and their cities in Judah and Israel were leveled. They were destroyed. They were ruined. And they were taken out of their homeland into captivity. And so God is saying to them, you will be a people who will rebuild those cities. You will be a people who will restore the old foundations. He goes on to say in the second half of verse 12, and you will be called the repair of the breach, the restore of the cities in which to dwell. And so this is a promise that God made to the nation of Israel. Let's be clear about who the promise is made to, and it's also extended to. This is a promise that God makes to the people of Israel that you will come back into your cities, you will come back into your towns, and you will be the agent of change that repairs the breach, that restores the streets in which to dwell. And so earlier in this passage here, um, it's obvious that these people um, that God is speaking to are, are very religious people. In fact, they engage in a day of fasting, which was required in the Old Testament. But beyond the one day of fasting, many times Jews would take it of their own initiative to um, fast on other days. And oftentimes it was as much of a religious experience and an outward expression as it was uh, seeking the heart of God. And so they're fasting and they're outward about it. And God says to them in Isaiah chapter 58, I care more than uh, I care more about you simply denying your body the sustenance it needs. I also care about you championing the people who are illegally enslaved, the, the clothing, the naked, feeding the hungry. I care about those things. And if you will care about them too, if you will care about justice and mercy, you will be an agent of change to rebuild those old ruins, to rebuild the old foundations. And so God was serious about that. When you consider justice and mercy, I will be faithful to my promise. We need to know this morning that God was faithful to that promise. And they went back into Judah. They went back into Israel and they raised those foundations, including the temple that had been destroyed. The message here this morning is that God cares about us being people who repair the breach and restore the streets in our city, that we are a church for the people and the structures and the systems around us such that they're renewed and they're restored. And that's the message of the scriptures from the beginning to the end. When Jesus established his church in Matthew chapter 5, he makes it clear that the church is a lighthouse where, where the gospel will shine bright, where truth is released, and then it is verified by the works and the activity of the body of Christ in its community. Matthew 5 verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Let me just say to you this morning, um, because all of us have, especially in Western Christianity, this idea of what my faith actually is. It's private, it's hidden, it's secret, it's nobody else's business, but Jesus says that's actually the truth. Actually, what is true is that your faith is meant to be a public expression where people look at you and they glorify your Father in heaven because of your good works. The church is also called to be the same. Nor does anyone light a lamp, he says in verse 14, sorry, verse 15, and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I believe scripture is clear on what a church for the city looks like. It's a church in word it's a church indeed. And I want to say to you personally, pastorally, from my heart this morning, I 100% believe that God wants to take us as a people, us as a church, and he wants us to care about the things he cares about. He wants us to care about the people that he cares about. Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, you don't have this on the screen, so just listen to me for a minute. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another. And as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, not the greatest of all time, but the people who don't belong, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Verse 34 says this, and then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35, listen, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And thirsty and give you something to drink. And when do we see you a stranger and invite you in and come to you? The king will answer them and he will say back to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Um, the right perspective of the gospel is that not that, we, not that we serve the city necessarily for others around us. Yes, that is part of the process, but we serve the city because we do it unto Jesus. That's the motivation of the gospel. That's the motivation of why we preach what we preach. And Jesus says, when you do it to the least of these, you do it actually unto me. Then he says in verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones in an eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing. I was a stranger and you did not invite me. Then they themselves will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And then Jesus will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Church, family, you're here this morning because this is 100% Sunday. And we said, if you call this place home, today is your day. I want to posture before you today that we are much more than a Sunday worship experience. A church is not less than this gathering on Sundays, but a church is way more than that. A church that is 
for the city is rooted in the heart of God. For the people of LA, it's a church that by its nature cannot help but serve the redemptive purposes in our city. A church for the city releases people, hundreds of us, into our neighborhoods every single day as everyday missionaries so that people around us, people that we work with, people who are our neighbors, will experience the joy and the fruit of a gospel-centered community. We are literally the incarnation of Jesus in our neighborhoods. The incarnation, what do you mean? The embodiment of the presence of Jesus in the places where we live, breathe, work, exist, and play. Alan Hirsch says this about the incarnation of Jesus. It says, he took human form and moved into the neighborhood. (laughs) I love that. Because we take on the presence, the embodiment of Jesus and the spirit of God within us, and we move into our neighborhoods. That's a church for the city. Now, let me say this to you this morning. I'm not talking to Story City Church as we presently exist on August the 20th, 2017. I'm not talking about our, I'm not talking to our current selves as a church. This morning, I'm talking to a future version of who we are. Let me try to explain what I mean by that. Because we're a young church We're a fairly new church in our city, and we have a dream and a vision to be a church for the city. There's a difference between those two. A dream, you understand what it means. A dream means I can see it, I can hear it, I can feel what it is that I want to happen. A vision is a dream with plans. We are somewhere in the middle of those two. We're a brand new church in our city, and we have not yet laid plans fully to the extent that we believe God would call us to be in this city to be a church for our city. But in order to get there, in order to be that church, the future version of ourselves that I see Story City being, there are two essential pieces that I believe need to happen. The first essential piece of being a church for the city, a church that doesn't just have a dream, doesn't just have an idea or a thought or a feeling about what we could be in our city, but a church that has a vision and a plan to move forward. The first essential piece is people. (laughs) Um, I know probably a lot of you guys are like, what do you guys do? Like, what do you and Craig and Tyler do? I know you go to coffee shops and you're doing ministry all day, but like, really, what are you doing? The reality is we do a lot, but the other reality is the point at which we are, uh, the point at which we have arrived at this point in this process is that the ministry needs in our city are such that there's no way possible that we can meet all of those needs. It's literally a seven day a week, 24 hour a day job. People who are sick, people who are hurting, people who don't belong to our church, but are asking something of us, uh, preparing for us. I mean, the needs are so great that we simply cannot meet all of those needs. The essential piece of becoming a church for a city is that God raises up people who have a passion for meeting needs with acts of service and mercy. People who have passions who step into the gap of the needs in our city. I want to believe this morning. I want to believe with all of my heart there are people in this auditorium today who God will raise up with a passion for counseling people in a counseling center that we get behind that will counsel people who have broken problems and broken dreams and broken lives. And there are people in this auditorium today who say, that's my passion and I'm going to get behind counseling people who have broken lives. 
I want to believe there are people in this auditorium today who have a passion for people experiencing homelessness, Tom. I met with Tom on Thursday this week. We meet at the Country Deli in Chatsworth. Every uh, month or so, I go there for the biscuits and gravy, and it's amazing. And so without exception, every time Tom and I meet, we always talk about homelessness. We talk about the problems in our city, the current situation, the crisis that we're experiencing in our city. I want to believe there's people in this auditorium that God has put that on your heart. The Story City comes behind and we say we are going to facilitate those needs and those issues and those situations in our church because we're going to be a church for the city. When Tom and I met this week, we talked about a lot of things. I, and there's two people in our church, and he's sitting right beside the other person in our church who has a passion for homelessness and has a ministry already created in our city. But the thing that came up this week was that struck my heart. I don't think I said it to you, but I heard you say it, was women and children who are homeless, without a father, without a husband, who are on the streets. They can't find shelters because if they go into a shelter, then um, the city will separate mom and the kids from each other. So there's not a safe place and an environment for us to facilitate facilitate the needs that exist in that um, family unit. That struck my heart today. That struck my heart on Thursday, Tom. And I want to believe that there are people in our fellowship, in our congregation who are sitting in a seat today who say, that's my passion and I'm going to fill the gap. I want to believe there are people in this auditorium today, in this auditorium today, who have a passion for foster kids in this city you know, 400,000 foster kids across America in the foster care system. You know how, what percentage of those 400,000 exist in this city? You know what percentage? Almost 10% of the foster care kids in the system nationwide, in this city alone, 36,000 foster care kids. There's a family with foster kids in their home in our church today. You realize that 71% of females that are in foster care will be pregnant by the age of 21. One in four will experience PTSD. One in five will be homeless after the age of 18. I want to believe that God will rally people in our church to be a church for the city who care about foster care. If you don't know, this summer we supported a ministry and have done so since we have existed, a ministry that took foster care kids in our city and took them to a week-long camp to love and encourage them for an entire week. And I believe it can change a kid's life when we get behind ministries like that. I want to believe that there are people in our church today that care about the artists in our city I want to believe that there are people who will bridge the gap between the church and the artists in our community to provide space and an expression for people's art. If you don't know Shun Lee, and I don't even know if he's here today, he may be here. Shun Lee, uh, I don't think he calls it a ministry, but that's what he is. He's a believer. He knows Jesus. And he's got a sort of a ministry in our church called, the, I mean, in our city called The Greenhouse. Over 6,500 artists have come through The Greenhouse in our city. It facilitates community, resources, ideas, training, and it's a ministry that Shun Lee is involved with. I want to believe there are people in our church who have these passions, who want to fill the gap. The second essential piece is not only people, it's assessing the needs of our city. And what I mean by that is that we just, as a church, we don't just haphazardly look across the city and just spray money and people all across the city. Like, we don't just haphazardly approach the needs in our city that way. We need a thoughtful, prayerful process where people come together and we say, we believe this is something in our community and we believe the church can be a redemptive solution to it and we are going to fill the gap. We're not that church yet. 
Um, we're only a year and a half old. But let me tell you about two churches who are friends who are. And I want, I, I want to I share this with you to encourage you this morning and by way of casting vision to you to say this is what could be. Do you understand what I'm trying to do this morning? What could be? Um, for about two and a half years ago, I was walking through, when we were praying through planting a church, um, I was walking through this, this church planting residency that every other week I would fly somewhere and I would be invested into along with six other men who were planting churches around this country and one in Africa. And we would be invested into by men who have gone way ahead of us and who are guiding the process of planting a church. And, and part of that process was that we were engaged with churches around the country who were stewarding what God had given them really well. And one of those churches we arrived at in Austin, Texas, was a church called the Austin Stone. 2002, Matt Carter started the Austin Stone, and um, he started it with a vision to be a church that would love uh, the gospel and it would love its city. And they had gone for several years and God had grown their church and he went away for a sabbatical for a season. And when he came back after he'd been on sabbatical, he believed that God had spoken very clearly to his heart, specifically from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 12. And he said, I don't want to be the pastor of a church where people come and soak up knowledge on a Sunday once a week. I want to be a pastor of a church that cares about its city because I believe that's the heart of God. He said while he was on a sabbatical, um, he got a call from his real estate agent because the church had grown and they were in a position to move the location of the church. They had outgrown their space. Look around. And, um, and, and, so, and so he got a call from his real estate agent and said, hey, Matt, I found a piece of property, but I'm convinced that you're not going to like it because they had been looking in the suburbs and, and, and affluent places and places that would be more conducive to thriving. And the real estate agent said, it's, it's in the worst part of town. It's got the lowest high school graduation rate. It's got the highest rate of crime. You're not going to like it but if you want to go see it, I'll facilitate it. So when he came home, he went to see the piece of property and it was, it was literally filthy and disgusting and it was ruined. It was Isaiah chapter 58. They solicited the help of three organizations and companies to come in and clear the land because nobody would do anything to the property until uh, the land had been cleared of drug needles and condoms and mattresses and it was in ruins Two out of the three companies would not even give him a quote because the land was so, uh, it was in such bad shape. And, and about two years ago, two and a half years ago, um, this had all unfolded and it all had taken place. And what had happened was the Austin Stone had purchased that piece of property. And they didn't purchase a piece of property solely because they could have a place where they could worship on Sunday morning. They purchased a piece of property that would facilitate the opportunity where they could provide community um, involvement and action in their city. They created what's called the For the City Center. The For the City Center is housing nonprofits in their city that are helping liter uh, illiteracy. They're helping people who are experiencing um, malnourishment and need food. The largest food, second largest food bank in the country is housed in their facility. They're facilitating a nonprofit in their building that helps um, bring together foster parents, Josh, and foster kids. They're facilitating um, um, uh, an organization that helps teenagers. Um, and it's been an incredible deal. Two and a half years ago, when I got there, this is several years down the road after they had begun this, they had also created this livable work space where people could come in, artists could come in and share a, a low cost space to work and do what they do and God has called them to do. We're not there yet. But this is the church that I see. Let me tell you about one more and then I, I, gotta, I gotta be done, okay? Um, 
Redeemer Kansas City is another church we had the privilege and the opportunity to go and sit under their teaching, and it, it, it blew me away. Um, they moved into a part of Kansas City where um, that was much like the, the, the part of Austin that Austin Stone had moved into, and it was a part of town that nobody was moving into, but, um, but Redeemer Kansas City says we are going to... By the way, it sounds like we're going to move our church to a bad part of town. Uh, that's not what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> that's not what I'm going to say, okay? Um, and so, and so they moved into this part of town and they said, we're going to own this neighborhood. In fact, they looked at people that were coming to their church and they said, we believe so much in this. They were asking some of you to pray about moving into this part of town with us. They have a church property. They bought an old abandoned CVS uh, pharmacy. They bought buildings right next door to their church. And what they've done with the old CVS pharmacy, they tore it all down. I mean, they tore all the insides out and they created an artist space where artists could come in for free and have their own workable collaborative space in the city. They're supporting artists. They started businesses along this, uh, this downtown area where they were established as a place where people could experience community and gospel community in their city, a church for the city. That's not us. That's not who we are yet. But I believe it's a church that God wants us to be. Now, can I bring you in on something just for a moment that, that we have debated even mentioning to you, but I'm going to take a chance this morning and I'm going to share it with you. Um, we as a church have engaged in three or four opportunities in our city where a church has come to a place where they can no longer exist, yet they have facilities and they need someone to come in and help them restart. We've done that three or four times and every time we got our hopes up, we got let down. And so we tried not to get our hopes up, but we have engaged with a church in our city that has experienced the same issue and challenge and they've reached out to us and we've engaged in a month-long conversation. I'm taking a, I'm taking a chance sharing this with you this morning, but I want to bring it to you as a church to prayerfully consider because this is the church I believe we can be. There's a facility that they have that I believe could facilitate us being a center of ministry to our city, a home for homeless, uh, nonprofits who serve homelessness, a center for people where they can come and be counseled, a center for, uh, not center, S-I-N-N-E-R, a center for artists who can share space. And I want to bring it before you as a church and say, we need you to pray. We can't move our church there on Sunday morning because we're too big at this point but we can use the facility as a launching point in our city to say we're not just concerned about what happens on Sunday morning. We are a church for our city. And we need you to pray for that. That's the church we see. Now, I don't have time to do this, but thankfully we've got a whole Sunday devoted to this. A church for the city is a church that engages the city with acts of service and mercy. This is the second part of a church for the city. A church for the city faithfully proclaims the gospel. A church for the city faithfully proclaims the gospel. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, From Jesus, through Jesus, to Jesus are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We want to be a gospel-saturated church that condenses the Christian life down to this simple form. Jesus is Lord over every area of individual and corporate life. And that's what we want to preach every single Sunday. We don't want to preach the best version of you. We don't want to preach the best version of your boss, the best version of your husband, the best version of your kids. We want to preach the gospel because one is sustainable and one is not. And when we understand the gospel fully, that Jesus is actually the best form 
form of humanity. And when you understand the totality of the gospel that God created, we mess it up, God's restoring it all. When we understand that, it brings sustainability to our lives. And by the way, we believe it brings the greatest joy to your life. If you don't understand that yet, can I just say to you, keep hanging around. And I wanna unpack this this morning, but we've got a whole day dedicated in this series, in the Things We Love series, to the gospel. And we're gonna unpack that as we walk through this series. There's so, so much I wanna say about it, but I'll, I'll end with this and I'll, and I'll say this. The gospel is the story of God that answers every major question we have about life. Why we're here. How things got messed up how things can be restored back to the way they were originally intended to be. And then it answers the question, where are we headed when this is all done? I believe the gospel answers the question to every pressing need in our life. And that's the type of church we want to be. We want to posture that before you. We want to posture that before you and say, this is your greatest joy, the gospel. Trust your life, your heart to it. And that Jesus found in it church that's for the city, engages the city with service and mercy and also faithfully proclaims the gospel. I have an illustration, but I'm not going to tell it. I just need to end. (laughs) God's been good to us as a young church in our city. It's been amazing. And we believe that God can begin to transform us into the church that we see us becoming. But it requires some things from us. The church that we want and our city needs require some things from us. And I want to talk about that here in just a second. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you're a good father. You're a good God. You're a good Lord. You, this morning, God, we acknowledge, God, that you have control. You have sovereignty. You have, God, an understanding and ability and authority to govern every area of our lives. Not as robots, Lord not as people who are puppets, God, as people who surrender to the understanding of the gospel and we are transformed by it. That's the people we wanna be and the people we wanna be in our city, God. So Jesus, as we pray to that end, as we pray to become the people that we believe you want us to be, as we pray to become um, the, the, the expression of your heart, God, let us not just be another version of spectator Christianity. Let us be people who hear your heart and decide that we're going to jettison. Jesus, we're going to jettison comfort and security for the mission of God, which ultimately we find joy in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I talk to you as a family for a few minutes? When we started this process of planning a church, we operated off of one very simple principle. And that principle sounds something like this. We were gonna work as hard as we possibly can and be as faithful as we possibly can with the things that only Jesus entrusts to us. And we will leave the rest up to God. And here's what we believe those things are. Shepherding and pastoring people, faithfully preaching the gospel and loving our city. And what we did when we started this process, just 
two short years ago when, when two families moved to a city, Tyler and I, we moved to a city and we began this process. We started in our home and God blew it up. And we went to a theater before we ever launched a church. And one Sunday it was hundred degrees and there were more people than there were seats and God blew it up. And we launched in a comedy club a few months later and there were more people than there were seats and God blew it up. And now you look around, just look around. Will you do me a favor? Just look. As painful as it may be uh, to some of you, oh, in Jesus' name, look at the beautiful people around you. God's chosen to do it again. And what we have said all along is that we're gonna be faithful to the things that we believe God has entrusted to us and leave the rest to God. We believe that the rest that God is in control of is multiplying those efforts and he and only he is responsible for that. And this morning, you're a testimony that he's chosen to increase the influence and the impact and the reach in our city in a very short period of time. He's chosen to take our offerings and has said, I'm going to choose to do something with this body of believers. Now, can you, I wanna say something to you this morning. Our response is twofold to that. Our response can be twofold. One of two things, actually, not two things, just one. Our response can be, God, you've entrusted this to us and you said, I want you to steward what I've given you and I want to ask you, God, that you not grow our church anymore because this is all we can handle and all we want. That can be one response. Or we can say, God, we're working faithfully as you provide. We're gonna steward as you give need. And Jesus, because we recognize what you're doing, we recognize that what you have done in our midst is that you have brought people together such that lives are being transformed, the gospel is going forth. But here's the problem. As we currently stand, there are people in our city who have not yet been transformed by the gospel, but we believe they will. But we don't have a seat for them. <laughs> we don't have a seat for them yet. You look around, and you're like, there's a seat next to me. They could sit here. No, here's the principle. When 80% of a room gets filled up, People walk in and they're like, I, I, there's no seat for me. Um, you understand the principle. You go to In-N-Out and you're like, oh, no, I'm out. Um, <laughs> you go to Porto's, you're like, no, this is not worth it, right? Well, that's what we've experienced here. And the room, as amazing as it is, and we hope to continue to be here, is that the room, as amazing as this, facilitates some of this crowdedness where we have two aisles and, and big rows. And that increases this idea that there's no room for me. So our response is, God, we're, we are gonna be faithful with what only you entrusted to us. And it's up to you to multiply those efforts. And when you do, we're gonna be faithful to steward what you've given. And so the decision that we've made is that we have to move to two services starting October the 8th. We originally said we're gonna to move to two services September the 24th. Not long after we made that decision, we got a call from the Colony Theater who owns this place, uh, rents this place out from this city. And they said, hey, October the 1st, they had no idea what was going on with us. October the 1st, you guys can't meet here on a Sunday because we've got something going on. We're like, oh shoot, that's the day after we go to two services. So we can't go to two services, not have church on a Sunday and then come back and do it again. We'll explode everything we tried to do. And so, and so we've moved it back from September the 24th to October the 8th. Now, here's the challenge before us. 
In order to do that, we've chosen to say yes to that option because one, there are people in our city who have not yet been transformed the gospel, but we believe they will and we need seats for them. Two, the reason why we're making this decision is because there are some of you in the seats today that need the opportunity to own what God is doing in our city. You need to own what God is doing in our city. It's 100% Sunday. We're asking you if you call Story City Church your home. By the way, if you're here for the first time, um, just kind of listen from the outside, look through the window for a moment. If you're calling Story City Church home, we're, we're, we're asking two things from you. The theme is ownership. The first thing we're saying is, in order to go to two services, to facilitate the need for people to hear the gospel and their lives to be transformed, we, in essence, ideally need to double the number of people who make this happen every single week. You're like, I'm not getting up early to to run cords and put up trusts and do lights. Um, let me shame you for a minute. <laughs> my eight-year-old son, no shame in this game, all right, I promise. My eight-year-old son got up at 4 a.m. this morning. Why? One, he doesn't have an alarm clock. Two, he knows that dad leaves the house at 6.15. And three, he knew that if he went back to sleep at 4 a.m., he may miss coming to church to help dad set up. Eight years old. We don't just need people to show up at 6.30. There's way more than that that happens. And the reality is, in order to facilitate more room, gospel expansion, we need you to step up. We need to ideally double what needs to happen in this facility every single week. There's a lot of questions surrounding that. Let me answer a few. Who can serve? Do you have a pulse? Is your heart beating? Can you speak to people? Yes, that's you. You can serve. Secondly, how much time are you asking? Depends on what you want to do. One hour a month, two hours a month, four hours a month as little or as much as you want, but we need you. Secondly, um, let me posture something for you. Let me answer a question for you in this moment. Since all of us are here and all of us probably are wondering how does a church come into a city like this with three staff members and the ability to spend literally $100,000 in a city in a matter of a year and invest it into the city? How does, how, does a, how does a church like that pay its bills? Let me answer that question for you. Um, over the course of the last three years, there have been 52 churches across America that have said, I'm gonna help you pay your bills until you can be a church that can stand up on your own two legs. And that has been amazing for us. It really has been. It's been such a blessing to us. But here's the reality of the situation. It's a heart to heart. We're telling you everything this morning. The reality is those churches, some are in their third year of support, some are in their first year of support. And this is how church planning works. Outside sources fund a church and until that church can be sustainable, but typically that commitment is three to five years. We've committed. Somebody said to this week, hey, I know a church that may want to sponsor you and support you. I'm telling you what I'm telling. I'm telling you exactly what I said to them this week. I, I don't, I don't want to ask them for money. Here's why I don't want to ask them for money. Because we are coming into a season where that was their season. That was 52 churches season. Look at me, family. This is our season. <laughs> this is our season. This is our turn to say, you know what? This is our church. This is our city. And I want to say to you, as your pastor, one of your pastors, that does not scare me in the least. That does not scare me in the least because I'm not after your money. This church is not after your money. This is God's church. This is his city. This is his people. And he will do what he wants. Let me finish by saying, your pastoral team will never ask anything of you that we do not ask of ourselves. And I don't, I say this 
And it's a moment of vulnerability to say that I'm not going to preach to you what I am not in my heart desiring to be itself. My family has committed way before you even have a job, before even drawing a salary. We committed that we are going to set aside a significant amount of our resources. We're going to support the local church. And we've done that even before we had a job in a church. And we will continue to do so in our city. And we will lead the way to do that. Let me tell you this. At any point in this process, our bills that are necessary for sustainable life in the city, anytime those bills become such that we cannot continue to give at the current rate, which is significant, we will move out of this city and move to another city because we will refuse to support, we will refuse to not support the local church. We will be all in, whether it's here or somewhere else. So there's two opportunities for you. By the way, can I say this? If you're new this morning, that wasn't for you. If you're just checking things out, please don't, we're not a money-ass church. That's not who we are. And you just need to be comfortable with that. And we have the confidence and the courage to bring that before you, knowing we're asking from the integrity of our heart. This is an opportunity. Some of you, by the way, are barely scraping by. You may not be in the same position. And I want to say, there's no shame in that. There's grace in that journey. Maybe you're not there yet, and that's okay. But I want to ask you to prayerfully consider the next season of life and ministry for the city, this ministry center, this, the needs before us. In a, I mean, the need is so great, we'll never meet them all, but we've got to do something. Now, can I say this to you? And I'm done. And I'm going to come off the stage. Can I do that? You may be asking this morning, is that me? Like, is that me that he's talking about? There's this principle called the diffusion of responsibility. If it's everybody's job, it's nobody's job. If you're asking this morning, is that me? Let me tell you, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. This is your church. It's your season. It's your place. And we're asking to buy in. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to come back up and tell you what we're going to do afterwards. It's going to take two minutes, and we're going to be done. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song together, and we'll close it out.